Thanks for making us part of your routines weekly at some point by, by way of BattleCreekPodcast.com or WBCK Saturday mornings. It's Community Matters, made possible by Lakeview Ford Lincoln. Richard Pyatt here. You may have seen some reporting recently about the potential for a solar farm, another one, in the Marshall area and perhaps Coldwater as well. Part of a, a reporting that took place over the last uh, week or two. And we wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Kevin Maynard joins us now, the Director of Electric Utilities in the city of Marshall and uh, a member, a commissioner at the Michigan South Central Utility. Hello, Kevin. Good morning. Thanks for this opportunity. Most of us, I think, are uh, pretty used to the idea that uh, we need power, we get it, we pay a bill, <laughs> right? And uh, and somehow that all works. Some yeah. of this reporting that took place about how power is procured might have made some folks head spin a little bit, just trying to understand what happened. So I thought that might be an opportunity for us to to talk about that a little bit, first of all. I suppose if we really want to start at the beginning, uh, the notion of renewable energy is something that uh, Michigan has been focused on in recent years, hasn't it? That's correct. And in fact, uh, the legislature just last fall um, approved what they're calling their Clean Energy Future Plan. And it has specific renewable energy percentages that all Michigan electric utilities have to comply with. We're talking about some pretty aggressive percentages, aren't we? Yes. It starts out at 15%. But by 2030, which is just six years from now, that number uh, increases to 50 percent oh and to 60 percent by 2035. And uh, by 2040, which is just 16 years from now, the goal is to be at 100 percent renewable energy in the state of Michigan. What does that mean for a utility? That means they have to use certain ways to generate power. That's correct. And it isn't all uh, necessarily renewable. I know that there's some interest and uh, some provision in the uh, plan to allow for nuclear to be one of those options in the mm -hmm. future. But I think that it doesn't become an option for another nine or 10 years, something like that. So in the short term, renewables, uh, wind and solar projects, those are the most visible uh, to the most people. But hydroelectric is another uh, renewable resource. And uh, we do have a little bit of hydroelectric uh, energy available here in the state of Michigan, as well as things like landfill gas, to uh, energy landfills are required to collect methane yeah. that would otherwise uh, be leaking out of the landfills and either flare it off or run it through a generator and convert that to electrical energy and CO2. You might say, well, CO2 is bad <laughs> and, and it is, but uh, it's much less harmful than methane to our, our environment. So that is an acceptable uh, use of that. So when we talk about, what is it, 16 years to mm -hmm. 100%, you take right. into account these different methods. Correct. Does it make sense that uh, we'll achieve that? Well, I think it's going to be difficult for us to get to that percentage by 2040. 
I think even if the legislature has to redesign some of those goals and those target dates, I don't think there's any question that the push toward renewable energy is going to continue into the future. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the concerns that most people express, I think, with wind and solar particularly, is that it is uh, not dispatchable. And what I mean by that is if we start a a coal-fired generating station or a natural gas-fired generating station, we can start it, set it at a certain uh, output, and it will remain that way until we change it. You know, with solar, it doesn't generate at night. Wind can be intermittent. But uh, the technology uh, with large-scale batteries are really changing that and uh, making those less intermittent anyway. And Mm -hmm. I believe that the state is counting on that as well to help um, fill in the gaps, so to speak, with the intermittency of of some of those technologies. Yeah, we can certainly say this is emerging and there is a willingness to get to the bottom of, of any challenges that we seem to have with it and then push forward. Yeah. That seems to be the overall notion. Let's talk about this story that popped up in the last couple of weeks. The idea that the, the procedure is for some utilities to buy power from other generators. Mm -hmm. And this is what hit a roadblock in this process that ended up with this story about solar farms and Marshall. Yeah, I think uh, what you're referring to is the Hart Solar Project that was going yeah. to build, be built up there by Hart Michigan. First of all, let me back up and say that electric utilities can self-supply the energy, meaning that they can own the generation. Sure, they can contract with third parties that uh, that have energy to sell. Uh, and that's what Heart Solar was, right. or they can buy it on the open market. And there's an hourly market for energy. In this case, there was going to be quite a large development there. I think it started in 100 megawatts and then increased to 120 megawatts, which is a pretty sizable solar project. And the developers had contacted the uh, Michigan South Central Power Agency, which is composed of the member municipal electric systems in Marshall, Coldwater, Clinton, and Hillsdale, mm-hmm. um, to see if we were interested in, in uh, acquiring an allocation of that project's output. And uh, initially, you know, they quoted a, a price that was not firm to us. It was given to us in a range. And uh, the arrangement was, as they firmed things up, that they would give us a more detailed price. And at that point, we could elect to continue or to not not continue. And unfortunately, the the uh, price that was recently given to us was significantly more than what they had originally quoted us oh, uh, on this project. And, um, you know, we always try to be mindful not only of the um, environmental impacts here, but the impacts financially that it places on on customers in our communities. So we have to be very vigilant, I guess, in trying to find uh, ways that we can add renewable energy that don't have significant financial impacts on our customers. And the great thing about projects like this is you can actually sort of layer them in over time. So maybe you get a little bit of of one particular project this year, and it could be a fixed price for 25 years. So that has some value as well, because you know that inflation isn't going to impact that, which ultimately impacts your customers. 
but uh, um, we believe that we uh, there are options out there that would be less expensive for us to acquire those solar resources. So we're pursuing other options at this point. So uh, we've been looking as the city of Marshall itself at a number of local uh, sites. Some of them are privately owned. Some of them are owned by the city of Marshall. And uh, I think as an agency, the Michigan South Central Power Agency has also been doing that in the member communities, trying to come up with that combination that gets us uh, the required renewable in the form of solar power there at a more affordable price for our customers. Yeah. It's interesting. Why would a a power generating entity want to ink a deal for 25 years when they might benefit from inking a deal that's shorter in duration Mm -hmm. with the ability to charge more for, for a new contract? Yeah, that's a great question. But when you look at solar in particular, you know, there's no fuel cost, which is typically the biggest cost if you're looking at a coal-fired generating station Mm -hmm. or a natural gas-fired generating station. Those are both commodity fuels, so the price can fluctuate significantly. With solar, it's really, for the most part, upfront capital costs. And so it's not as risky as it might sound by doing that. And as solar has evolved, the technology, it's gotten more efficient, and consequently, the price of solar has decreased accordingly. So if you can lock up something at a price today that takes care of all of your fixed costs over that 25-year period, it's really not a lot of risk. And if you did a shorter term, you might have to take less for it at the end of five years or 10 years because the technology has continued to improve. Interesting. Could go the other way. Yes, it could go the other way. Yeah. So this heart deal then was perhaps a bit of a surprise when the rate came along and it was not what you expected. Yes, it was a a big surprise to us. Um, you know, we had remained in contact with them. We were disappointed that when they brought us the price, uh, not only how much more it was, but that they had not lent us um, any clue that it might be that much more. So the downside for us is that we were counting on that being a part of our plan going forward. And now we're sort of back to the drawing board because uh, it's uh, it's not going to work for us. And uh, that's the the other disappointing part is that we could have been pursuing other options had we known that it was not going to be close to the price they originally quoted us. Yeah. What do you take away from that? Uh, They changed their mind about wanting to do business with you. They had somebody else willing to pay more. No, I I don't think so. I think that, um, you know, we've gone through this period in the last few years with COVID and everything where it's been difficult to acquire just about everything for a time there, which drove up prices. And then we had rampant inflation as well. So if you had not already locked up, let's say, all of the solar equipment before that stuff happened, now you're trying to go out there and buy it when demand is very high around the world for solar, and you're looking at the effects of inflation as well. So I'm just speculating, but those are things that we see in the industry often. As you pointed out, one of the other options then is to put up your own solar farm and generate your own power. Mm Mm-hmm. That's correct. Or you could have uh, a third party come in 
and do that on a site that you provide. So that's another option there as well. Otherwise, then the developer has to go out there and acquire property to do that. So what seemed to be a viable option in Marshall, at least, is to identify a place where such a development could happen. Correct. And you've done that. You've identified a spot. Well, we've got a number of sites under consideration right now, and uh, we're evaluating those working with a potential developer, but we don't have any agreements in place at this point. So a developer, a third party would come in and actually make the construction happen. That's correct. In this case. Now, we could do it ourselves or hire a contractor to do that. But my understanding in this case is that um, this developer is willing to come in and do all of that and then sign a long-term fixed-price contract for the output of the solar farm for us. Okay. So you're not actually uh, making your own widgets here. Someone else will do that and sell you those. It just right. happens to be in in our backyard where this could That's happen, right. so to speak. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. that is the most convenient way, would you say, then, to take care of this without having to actually own the equipment, maintain it, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. have it nearby? Well, for... Um, All of the Michigan South Central communities, with the exception of uh, cold water, we don't have any large scale, um, and when I say that, one to 10 uh, megawatt solar installations at any of our communities. So we have a a power plant here in Marshall, and it uh, has a hydroelectric port part of that, which Mm -hmm. was what originally supplied our power here when the electric system was created by Marshall voters back in 1893. But we also have a number of natural gas uh, fired reciprocating generators that used to supply nearly all of the power here for Mm -hmm. the community. But as uh, time went on, you know, the economies of scale in the electric industry with bigger and bigger generating stations, particularly those owned either by uh, investor-owned utilities like Consumers Power or by a joint action agency like the MSCBA, um, those uh, could generate and produce that power less expensively than all these little municipal plants. But we still keep that plant here. Uh, We use it for emergency backup in the event that the grid would go down. We use it to provide capacity because we have to show that we have enough generation, whether we own it or we contract with someone else, to supply our peak demand here. And then also, if there are times when the wholesale market is more expensive than it costs us to generate, we fire them up at those times, sell power into the market and reduce our customers' power supply costs. Mm. Nice to have that option. Yeah. And when we're looking at these intermittent resources, particularly like solar, then having quick start generation like that will become increasingly important, we believe, going forward. Yeah. So if this uh, solar farm that was reported uh, and that we've talked about briefly here were to eventuate, Mm -hmm. what kind of a development are we talking about? Certainly in Marshall, we're familiar with solar farms as a sizable one here. Right. Uh, Right. How does that compare to this idea? Well, I think when a lot of people think of solar farms, they think of uh, things like the cereal uh, farm. That's 100 megawatts, and I think that occupies something like 600 acres. 
And it takes about five or six acres for a megawatt of solar. And uh, what we're talking about here is probably in the five to 10 megawatt range, so significantly smaller. Part of the limitation for us is that we can't, uh, <laughs> we're connected to the, the grid, right? And ITC uh, Holdings owns the high voltage transmission grid or system in this area. And as a municipal electric system, ITC will not allow us to push power back out onto their grid. Mm. We can use up to what our customer's load is or produce up to that, but we can't push power back out onto the grid. So that is a, a big limiting factor for us. Our entire town load here averages around 20 megawatts. And in the summertime, when everybody's running air conditioning, it's approximately 30 megawatts. So oh those are limiting factors for us. And uh, so what we're looking for here is something that could help offset some of our uh, energy and demand uh, requirements. But uh, we still have a lot of other options out there as well. Um, it's probably worth mentioning right now we're... Uh, our power supply portfolio is about 25%. So we're already ahead of the Michigan required 15%, but we're also staring down 50% in 2030. Yeah. So we've got to try to not just marshal, but all electric utilities in the state are going to have to try to figure out how we even meet that intermediate standard of 50% of our energy that's consumed in the state coming from renewable resources. So we're trying to not get crushed by the wave, but hopefully surfing the wave instead as best we can here. But I think we've got a lot of options to try to get there. So it's not as simple as dialing up what you're pulling from solar and dialing back non-renewable sources. It's probably not that simple. No, it's not that simple. <laughs> and that requires, uh, you know, a lot of oversight. We work with a... a larger joint action agency, American Municipal Power, down in Columbus, Ohio, and they monitor our load hourly and mm. then match up the, the best resources that we have available with what our load is for that hour. And uh, that, when you start thinking about trying to do that for, I think AMP has 135 member communities, that's a pretty significant task to try right. to keep on, on top of uh, that, uh, that much information and, and data. Undoubtedly, for sure. And you look at, I presume, this 20 to 30 megawatt pull that Marshall mm -hmm. has, just as an example, and yeah. presume that's going to go up, right? I mean, we are talking about uh, more of us with, I don't know, phones and, mm -hmm. and other things. Right. And then we start getting into EVs and that right. sort of thing. How do you project what the demand is going to be in, say, 10 years? Well, that's a great question. We can predict it, but are we going to be real accurate with that prediction? <laughs> I think that's, that's going to be tough. Um, I, I do know the state of Michigan seems to have a real agenda uh, of converting to the EV technology and trying to uh, get more electric vehicles and charging stations out there on the road. And uh, so if uh, that's successful, and I understand, you know, we want to keep the automotive jobs here in Michigan, good paying automotive jobs. And so there's good reason behind it, as well as the environmental reasons. But trying to predict it right now is a little bit difficult. 
So when we're looking out that far, we try to take a look at what our historic growth is, you know, and then try to figure out, well, if that doesn't uh, happen, then what? Because the other side of it can happen. You know, we had some closures here uh, with State Farm in Marshall. Eaton had uh, a, a bigger manufacturing presence. So your load can actually go down if you lose some of those significant customers. So mm. it's uh, it's a kind of a art and a science in trying to predict what you think that load will be, and then what is the best combination of resources that results in the lowest and most steady cost to people. Because particularly if you're someone on a fixed income or you're a large energy user, having a lot of fluctuations in your cost can cause a lot of problems. And and for some uh, residents, it may mean the choice between am I going to be able to buy groceries this week or not. So it's something that we all have to take very seriously. You mentioned that the demand for solar has increased. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about my own neighborhood. There's one house with solar panels on it. I saw Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, I saw somebody with a solar truck in their driveway yeah, this is what people are thinking about, right? They are willing to add a panel or two on their own rooftops that mm-hmm. this could offset their costs. And mm-hmm. I presume that's what motivates this. Is that a reasonable perspective to have? Yeah, it is. I think that some do it for the same reason that people recycle because they believe it's the right thing to do and it's the right thing to do for our planet. Um, other folks, yeah, are trying to take a look at in the long term, how do I reduce my energy costs? How do I reduce my environmental footprint here? And uh, take a look at those as options. Typically, the installations have a, a fairly long payoff, but it also stabilizes your cost at a lower rate than what you're paying as far as total energy costs today. Hmm. So it's something to think about. It's seemingly- it is something to think about. Yeah. yeah, I certainly am not trying to get into a political discussion, but do you right. look at this, these renewable goals, hundred percent in sixteen years, and say, well, right now in Michigan we have a majority party that's in favor of this, but if that changes, mm-hmm. some of these goals may change, right? That's correct. So this that's another just, factor you have that, to factor in. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, and it seems that those kinds of things occur more frequently in the last 10 or so years than they did uh, in decades before that. Right. Um, you know, there's, first of all, the challenge of technically that goal. But, uh, yeah, there could very easily be others that come uh, along that don't agree with that legislation and uh, seek to overturn it with something else. Yeah. That's so impossible. You talked about that surfboard ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's another aspect of it, I suppose. Yeah, I think that uh, for us, again, um, we want to make sure there's value to our community in owning and operating this electric utility. And if we were 30% more costly than other alternatives in the area, it it would be very difficult for us to continue in business. Let's suppose this this solar farm is built. You have a deal with... Mm-hmm. Um, with the provider right. to to pull this energy, does it mm-hmm. become attractive, or is it even possible for Marshall to pull extra energy and resell it at a profit? Well, technically, the answer is yes. 
And we do that to some extent with our um, power plant now. Mm -hmm. But with solar, if you're taking a look at the rate that most of that's being sold for today, it would not beat the market price most of the time right now. But that may change in the future. Yeah. Well, an interesting idea to file away, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, we've uh, in the state also eliminated a lot of the coal-fired generating stations. Palisades Nuclear was shut down, although they're trying to restart that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, the price a lot of times is dependent upon the mix of the supply versus the demand. And if we are shutting down large generating stations, it's taking that energy off the grid. And we have to keep up as a, a state with putting new stuff there to replace it at a reasonable cost or everyone's cost will increase. Yeah. All while the demand is going up too, we presume. Correct. Yeah. Before we go, I I must ask, are there any downsides or concerns that you see with solar? No, I think that um, uh, from an operating standpoint, of course, there's no emissions. There are things that uh, between wind and solar that maybe the neighbors don't like seeing them there. Um, If you live out in the country, you live out there in part because you like the to be able to see the scenery there sure and for some folks that's objectionable other folks it doesn't seem to bother uh wind you know as uh wind development development in the state has certainly slowed uh over the years in part because of those kinds of factors but in some cases depending upon where you live you know is it possible that the sun's going to hit that and and uh, reflect off of it into your house yeah i suppose those kinds of things can happen as well hmm. but uh from a environmental standpoint you know there's no pollutants that are emitted by solar i think people would argue that in the manufacture of them there are and that's probably true But from an operating standpoint, no, there's really not much to be concerned about there. Mm -hmm. So, Kevin, what's the uh, time frame or the next steps that you imagine to be uh, in the offing here with the potential solar farm and Marshall? Well, that's a good question um, because all of these things are subject to negotiation. So (laughs) oftentimes it seems like it takes a lot longer than what you, you thought it would. But, you know, this will not be the only option that we are pursuing uh, during this time, because, again, we've got to, as a community, figure out how are we going to hit 50 percent by 2030, assuming that stays in place. So this would not be enough for us to to be there. It would help us get closer to that goal. But we would still need a lot more renewable energy to be able to meet that 50 percent target in um six years. Is it possible that another source could come up and maybe the construction is not as feasible? Yeah, that's possible. I think that um, even some of the resources we currently have, like this little hydro plant, you know, it doesn't supply a lot of our energy, but it's very steady and has served our community, like I said, since 1893. So we're taking a look at that, too, and saying, what can we do to try to get more energy out of that? So we'll be pursuing different options like that while we're working on this. Uh, hopefully something comes of it, but if it doesn't, then we'll have to take a look at other options. Well, we'll be glad to check in as uh, progress is made and hear some updates. Okay. Thank you. Kevin Maynard, Director of Electric Utilities in Marshall, Michigan, on Community Matters.